Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. I am so excited about the Plant Medicine Series that is coming up over the next few weeks. Today, we will begin with Dr. Joe Tefer, who received his medical training at University of California, San Diego. When we recorded this interview, Dr. Tefer was in Colombia, so I apologize for, for a little blips in the conversation or when it speeds up or when we talk over one another. <laughs> we, we tried our best with the iffy internet. So here we go. Today, I am delighted to have, to have Dr. Joe Tefer on the show. Dr. Tefer has been an integrative medicine activist throughout his medical career, while in medical school at the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine, and during his family medicine residency at the University of California, Los Angeles. Dr. Tefer has observed that modern medicine struggles with certain mental and psychosomatic health problems because it fails to address the emotional and spiritual dimensions of these illnesses. Under the guidance of master shamans, Dr. Tefer has learned about the importance of acknowledging the emotional body and its role in modern disease. In Peru, Dr. Tefer learned how ayahuasca and shamanism could be used to heal the emotional body. And that's what we're we're gonna talk about today. Welcome, Joe. Welcome to me. Yes. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on the show. <laughs> You're very welcome. And and for the listeners, yeah. Joe is in Colombia. So if the, exactly. the audio goes off a little bit, he's down there um, um, having having a retreat. And before we start, I want to just tell the listeners about your new book. And um, how long has it been out now? Has it been out for a while? It came out in uh, March of 2017. Okay, okay. I'm um, called... Um, Fellowship of the River, and it is, I have to tell you, I could not put the book down. Your journey, the way it was written, um, it was read like a novel, but it's true, (laughs) everything's true, and so I just want to thank you for really, for writing that book, and and I really encourage all my listeners to, to run out and get it because it's, I usually don't do this, but it is a really great book. <laughs> so, Thank you very, very much. So let's just jump right in. Um, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about the beginning of your spiritual journey? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the beginning, beginning of my spiritual journey is more uh, from my family. Mm-hmm. You know, so that this, the spiritual healing journey with plant medicine and all that, you know, that's further down the road but I, I you know my family's from Colombia that's why I'm here visiting the extended family and here I think there's just it's just a more in general mystical culture you know that they're they're my family's Catholic but their form of Catholicism down here is is a lot more mystical you know yeah. they're growing up hearing about miracles and all kinds of things happening and there's always something 
kind of supernatural happening, you know, around or you hear about it. And, and so it's really a connection to spirit is considered a very real thing, I think, here and among a lot of families. And, and uh, so that, it's not such a leap. You know, some of the things that some of, I'm sharing, I'm down here to like spread the book in Spanish, you know, right, and uh, right. that's what I'm doing. That's part of what I'm doing here. And it's, it's funny how they, you know, they just, there's a lot of it that they already get. They, you know? They're familiar with it. Yes. They're familiar. There's other parts, of course, that, they, that we're a lot further along with on the science side and all that kind of stuff. Right. But the heartfelt part is, is strong. So, so I'd say my spiritual journey began with my family, you know, my parents and growing up, I grew up going to church, Catholic church and all of right. that stuff. And so it wasn't just talk and blah, blah, blah. It was actual like, you know, connecting to the universe. Right. And then going on to medical well, school. Well, then I went to medical yes. school. Then that was the big challenge. You know, that was the big, that's what really broke uh, that. You know, I was doing pretty well, feeling very connected to everything, myself, spiritually, and in nature and community and all those things that I think are so important to, for people to maintain their kind of spiritual well-being. And then I went to medical school, and which was a huge opportunity. I'm very grateful to be a doctor and all of that. But, you know, it was very uh, difficult. Hard, I think maybe especially hard on my sensibility, you know, being kind of more spiritually oriented person. And uh, just not only, I mean, there's just, there's a difficulty and a trauma of just of the training, you know, going through and, and dealing with, you're in the healthcare field and, yes. you know, dealing with some very tragic, difficult things and, and then having to deal with it in kind of a cold blooded fashion because of the volume and, you know, whatever the rest of it and the, some of the business side of it. Um, but in the training was really when I had a hard time and it was just a, kind of the, the mentality your time is so dominated and your mental space is so dominated by all of that, that something inside you starts to kind of give, you know, something's kind of wants out. Right. And so uh, in my case, I, I became depressed and I guess it's not so uncommon in that environment, but in other people perhaps had been through worse and they, you know, they were able to go through that without such trouble. But for me, it was difficult. So I had a hard time and, I, uh, yeah, I felt depressed. I felt kind of trapped in my mind and my father was a psychiatrist and I went to go talk to him and he suggested, Oh, why don't you try some antidepressants, you know, to get through it. And I tried that and that was helpful to me. And I talk about that in my book, how I didn't, you know, I, I was not a very, like, I wasn't a psychonautic person. You know, I tried right. a few things, smoked some marijuana, but I wasn't like drug pursuing type of person. And uh, so I had tried, then I tried the antidepressants, but at the same time I was around a friend of mine who was starting to get involved in psychedelic research because that was starting to get going. You know, it was like 1999, 2000, the DMT research had started again at the University right. of New Mexico. And then he, there was opportunities in Europe, but in Switzerland. And he, uh, so I started learning about that and I was realizing, wow, there's all this crossover and the biochemistry between the serotonin, you know, reuptake inhibitors, the Prozacs, and the serotonin circuitry that the psychedelics was working on. And just learning more and more about it. And the early psychedelic research, clinical research, was important in identifying the serotonin neurotransmitter system. Like, we didn't even know, you know, they didn't even know how the brain worked before, that there were neurotransmitters. And I think they were just focused on the electricity involved for a while there, or whatever mm -hmm. they thought. And then to find out there's these serotonin circuit and this other neurotransmitter circuits, you know, LSD was a huge part of them discovering that. 
And so just learning about all the crossover and the biochemistry, it just made me kind of more comfortable and curious about psychedelics. And I'm from Arizona and I wanted to try something more natural. And a friend of mine, he was very, let's go, let's go, you know, let's go try peyote. There's a place you can go do peyote. Was this and so I went to No, this is before that. This oh, is my friend. Okay. I call him in the book I call him Barack. Kayvon, is, Kayvon has done peyote with me there. I don't know if he wants me to tell everybody. Probably he doesn't care. But the other friend is still, he's still he's named Brock in the book. And I'll let him speak for himself. But he's good friends with Kayvon. And uh-huh. uh, we went to go do, that was my first experience was with peyote. And um, I went to go through a ceremonial experience of peyote at the Peyote Way Church of God in Arizona. And it's open there to outsiders you don't have to be native american and they are involved in cultivating their own peyote and the sustainability of peyote and i had an incredible experience there you know i had a very very kind of healing extremely uh you know it's all night and it has its ups and downs but i just felt reconnected immediately to myself my mind quieted down and just felt connected to spirit and nature and all that stuff and it just was a huge transition and a huge boost for me wow to get through medical school and i was just kind of shocked that we hadn't heard about this or known about this as you know as doctors yeah that something like this was out there and i uh so i went back there a few more times you know as i continued my training and then the training got better and got more active was more about hands-on doing things for people instead of just sitting there you know whatever taking it from some people I didn't, you know, respect too much or what, you know, the indoctrination part of it. It was more about us and being able-bodied and helping people. And so I enjoyed that part of medicine. Um, and I went on with that and, and I had other spiritual influence. Like I said, I still have my family, strong spiritual influence. And then I had explored a little bit of all kinds of stuff in California, whether it was Zen meditation or even Afro-Cuban Santeria or other things, you know, Native American stuff. I was going to sweat lodge sometimes through that process. And so all of that really helped me. And then eventually when I finished my residency in uh, 2006 from Family Medicine at UCLA, I, uh, with Kayvon, who had been through, you know, college with me at UCLA and then medical school, and then we ended up doing residency together. And so we've been through the whole thing. And I wanted to, I had been learning about ayahuasca because of what peyote had done for me. I was very curious about ayahuasca, seeing that I'd heard about my family's from Colombia. Here we have it called Yahe. They call it in Colombia. And the Amazon, my best friend, Yahe. So my grandfather's best friend was a guy that did a lot of uh, research in the Amazon botany and medical botany. So I knew about the Yahe and I knew, wow, I was like, well, if this is what, you know, peyote is like, well, I wonder what that's like. Right. And so I had this kind of growing curiosity and the cave Vaughn had said, well, he wanted to complete this loop in South America as part of like the graduation of the graduation of the whole thing. And so then I wanted to do ayahuasca and he had done it before. So he's like, well, if you come with me to Iquitos, I'll do ayahuasca with you and then come with me and we'll go down the river, you know, to the beach. We'll go down the Amazon river. And so he called it the fellowship of the river yes. because it was instead of other kinds of, you know, subspecialty in medicine after residency is called fellowship, you know, cardiology fellowship after internal medicine or sports fellowship after family medicine. 
And so he, uh, he made that up, Fellowship of the River, let's go down there. And that became the play on words because we went down there and we did ayahuasca and, and a Shipibo Center and had, I had a very big experience. And then that opened, turned into an actual long journey, which was a subsequent subspecialty for me in right. traditional Amazonian plant medicine that, you know, is still going on today. Yes. I went on for years and was very intense and, you know, as intense as any residency that, you know, I went to UCLA. I mean, I worked in the cardiology ICU and cardiac ICU. That's I mean, intense. it was intense. Yes. So I'm just saying this was intense down there in the jungle running the ayahuasca healing center for years in Peru. So some of our listeners really don't have not heard of ayahuasca before. So can you talk a little bit about what it is and then I'd love to talk about what, what exactly happens yeah. in, a, in a ceremony and how the shamans are an essential part, sure. as is song. Right, right. So, yeah, there's, there's ayahuasca is a tea, right? They call it like pan-Amazonian. So there's many all over the Amazon from the mouth to, to, uh, to Peru, you know, to the headwaters in Ecuador and Colombia and uh, all over Brazil and I think even into Venezuela, Bolivia. And so there's a lot of different tribes and cultures using ayahuasca. So there's many different ways to use it. It's just to say, you know, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. The basic tea that most of the cultures use a form of is made from, in Peru, they use those words, ayahuasca. It's a Peruvian term, Quechua language so ayahuasca is the vine and then there you mix that vine with another plant in this case and there's a lot of tribes use chakruna as well you mix those two things in a pot and, and boil them for a long time and refine that down and you get a tea and so that tea is called ayahuasca named for the vine and uh it's it's considered a sacred medicine by the tribes and is used traditionally for, for healing and in particular for healing. Um, first with indigenous tribes, but now there's syncretic churches in Brazil that use it and other kinds of communities that use it as well. Right. So that's what ayahuasca is, basically. And I know ayahuasca, though, it's not just the tea. The, the ceremony is such a important part of the healing process and i know i've heard you talk um a lot about what what the shamans do during the ceremony and also once again the importance of i think you call it ecos the song ikaros ikaros okay ikaros yes and so can you tell us just a little bit about that Right. So then within the different traditions, like there's all different ways to go about it and do it. And so the format that we were a part of, which is a kind of a traditional Shipibo format, was that this was being the ayahuasca ceremonies were happening within the context of a larger treatment. So there's this traditional Amazonian plant medicine. So ayahuasca is one of the, you know, plant uh, medicines used amidst many, 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 many plants used in the Amazon. And some of them are for like more pharmaceutical, pharmacologic purposes, you know, for their, their physical properties. And many of them are used for their spiritual properties, you know, including mm-hmm. that ayahuasca. 
So there's many plants. And so when people come down to a place like Niwe Rao, which is the name of the center where, that I helped to, to, to found and then now is owned exclusively by the, the shaman himself, Ricardo Amaringo, the, there, you know, you, you go, you do a plant diet. So you're getting treated within the context of this Shipibo plant diet, which means you're going to go there, go into retreat for, let's say, a minimum of, of 10 days. And you're going to be given um, different, assigned a master plant during that diet, which you're going to be on this very restrictive diet. No salt, no sugar, no, no dairy, no red meat, no pork, no sex, no alcohol, no greasy food, no spicy food. So very restrictive diet and kind of isolated or at least taken out into the forest in a natural retreat. And then you start that with a vomit. If you drink something to make you throw up, just to even start the whole process, talking to the shamans, what, why are you there? How can we help you? And then they're going to assign you a master plant, which is going to be a plant that is specifically uh, prescribed to you to try to help you with your specific issues. Interesting. May, it may, there may be other plants. There may be other treatments involved. There may be, for example, sometimes there's plant baths. Sometimes there's like little steam baths with plants. Sometimes there's topical poultices that might be used. And then there's other uh, plants that can be taken. So the idea is there's this much larger field of plant medicine that they feel is actually more important that you diet and are treated with the plants. Right. Then you come to ceremony. So then ayahuasca ceremony is held. And so the ceremony is held in a very sacred way. And so, yes, you are, you're offered ayahuasca. You don't have to drink ayahuasca to participate in the ceremony. So the important part is that you receive healing song, the Ikaro. Yeah. So the Ikaro is considered to be a form of energy healing, spiritual healing. So the shaman drinks ayahuasca to help them uh, uh, open their connection to the plants and to, to their visions. Uh, you know, they may not drink very much after they're very well practiced and trained, but they're still working with it to help them kind of open their third eye vision, so to speak, you know, right. to help them see into the spiritual realm and guide from there and to draw energy from there, from their, from their plant teachers with song to guide the process, you know, to help open and protect uh, everyone going through what these kind of metaphysical realms are kind of opened up or, you know, people have that experience. And so that's guided by the shamans to protect them, to help them and then to help clean and clear them. And I've heard you say that also one reason the shamans participate is it helps them on the one-to-one, the participant, it helps them open up to know what is, what's really important for them, what they need. Sure. Yes. yes. So then that's a huge part of it. So it's also considered like a form of diagnosis. Right. That the shaman is going to sing when, when, so you sing to the group and guide the whole process, but then there's the one-on-one singing Right. where the person has shared with you, you know, you have something to go on. Okay. This is what, you know, they're going on and then they're going to see in their visions and through their process of cleaning and, and talking to the ayahuasca and the plants and, and, you know, working with you shamanically to try to help understand, you know, what is the, the nature of your problem or at least what's a facet of the nature of your problem that we could approach and work right. on, you know, because the other facets be might be shown after your deep end ceremony, right? <laughs> right. There's it goes multiple than, facets, yes. right? So it's, yeah. Yes. 
there's different sides. So the idea is to make progress, not right. to necessarily understand everything of everything and you know, get it all figured out. Right. That always that you often doesn't help at all, you know. Right. Well, I know you um, talk about how psych means the soul and delic means revealing. And that's yeah. what it is. It's kind of revealing the soul. That's what the, that, and from your words and perhaps a portal to more mystical experiences, um, our mind blocks these things and we can see things that are important to us in our health psychedelic soul revealing so anyway um help us understand from your perspective as a doctor and a healer who studied plant medicine with the shamans in south america how does going through this experience how does it provide for emotional healing i think that you know profound emotional healing is what kind of was the theme through the cases I present in the book, right? Yes. That they had these different kinds of illnesses and, you know, that they all got better with the same kind of approach, basically. And my point was that there's got to be some kind of physiology linking these problems, you know, that would, because if the same kind of treatment is working on all the different problems from, from PTSD to this chronic cough to the, mm -hmm. you know, Crohn's disease, to the psoriasis, to the, to the addiction. It's like, okay, so what is, what ties these things together? And well, we have to kind of talk to the patient to understand, you know, what it was that they shared in their experience. And it was always a, I would say like a deep emotional healing experience, you know, working yes. through their personal trauma, their family trauma, all that kind of stuff. And so how do you do that? You know, how do you do that? And so the, the plant medicine, you know, the ayahuasca definitely can be in some, some forms of psychedelic medicine, like let's say MDMA assisted psychotherapy, you know, where they use a substance like that and they you know everything's different. I think plant spirit medicine has its own flavor and MDMA assisted psychotherapy has its own flavor, but from the psychedelic, that kind of term, which is interesting because I was just in this conference in uh, Costa Rica and there was this guy, Manati, very interesting Ecuadorian shaman. And he was getting a feel for like, what is this psychedelic community and that he's getting included in because he's a plant medicine shaman. Right. And he wasn't so sure that was such a thing he wanted to be part of, you know, he's like this, I'm not sure this is really the same thing at all. Like this psychedelic, uh, psychonautic, you know, the, the party scene and all that kind of stuff. He was just like, this is definitely not what we're doing. And I don't know if that, that's an appropriate term for us to be like included within, you know, yes, the plant using that anymore. Yeah, that's so, But I have it all over in the book throughout, you know, that right. it is. And, and what I mean is the psychedelic medicine in the sense that there is, there is shared biochemistry, you know, with some of these uh, psychedelic treatments like psilocybin assisted psychotherapy for yes. end of life anxiety and the kind of experiences people have. And treatment with ayahuasca ceremony, even within a traditional Shipibo healing diet. So all that being said, um, kind of got like carried away there. I'm about to reel it back oh, in that's here. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. Well, I was just asking um, from your perspective, um, how does, you know, the ayahuasca pro provide. Yeah, so how does that work to help you? So then the idea is that it, so it helps open your mind. Right. You know, right. number one. In a Can way you tell that, about, I'm like sorry, we say, with, with suspending judgment, you know, that's the idea is you're able to kind of take a look at uh, certain things that are just 
some things are shut off. You know, we see a lot of repressed memories revealed. Um, we see a lot of repressed areas of our mind or repressed areas of our thinking or feeling. They get opened up. So, so the ego, you know, when people describe the ego dissolving, you know, the independent structures dissolve a bit and allows for a lot of this emotional content to come forward. Right. Sometimes it's going to come forward like the way it comes forward in dreams. You know, kind of a, a little Dreams, bit metaphorical but... and and but mystical and magical at the same time, and they help kind of tell the story of of some of these what we would call like in the traditional Chipibo style, like the energy, you know, the yeah. energy behind this stuff. So then that's what the shamans are saying. These are energetic problems that these people have, and so material kind of approaches are not that effective, you know, just knives and scalpels and, yes. and pills and pharmaceuticals. And so you need an energetic approach. So they need a, they need a safe place to be vulnerable. I and mean, that's extremely important. So the sacred space. So there's something about a spiritual context, a properly run spiritual context, not a spiritual context that's hypocritical and false and people are being abused and blah, blah, blah. And they're lying right. and the charlatanism. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about like a genuinely um, sacred space where it's dedicated to making people, taking care of people so that they can be safe in order to be vulnerable. Right. And to approach the very difficult things, the very embarrassing things, you know, uh, the shameful things that uh, have happened to them in their lives or, or just be safe enough to explore, you know, beyond their usual um, state of mind. Right. And so... So the ceremony in the spiritual context, not just ayahuasca ceremony, but, you know, sweat lodge run properly is like that, you know, properly run psychedelic assisted psychotherapy is like that. Many rituals, you know, many approaches to, to spiritual healing, you know, breath work and the right setting is mm-hmm. like that. It opens people up and they start getting past their mind. Their mind starts, you know, getting overwhelmed by their feeling. And all of a sudden, you know, there's a catharsis, there's a release, there's an emotional breakthrough that can happen, or there's an opportunity to re-examine something, to reconcile something, to work through something, to resolve something, and then to let something go, you know, and that's, that you allow the energy to move again, you know, whatever the energy was that got stuck in there, that's holding you up, you know, to, to, to free that up and let things flow again within you. Mm-hmm. And so what that does is it, it's interesting because it, I bring it up all the time that there's a link, it seems to me, between the emotional being and the energy, the mystical, you know, what people talk, you know, and what we feel, what we feel, what it is to be alive. And I talk about a lot, you know, within the medical, whatever, the biomedical model, it just, we have to be able to talk about how we feel and what it feels like to be alive. Otherwise, it's just really silly. You know, it's really kind of just, it's just a uh, half, you know, right. it's not, you wouldn't talk, you wouldn't talk to somebody you really respected or loved that way, you know, right. de- denying right. what it really is for them to, to be alive in the present moment. I and know so, you mentioned in your book about how, how kind of sad it is that in, in medical school, you'd never hear anybody talking about love or talking about feelings, yeah. you know, and obviously yeah. 
something is not working in the materialistic um, model because a lot of people, you know, with all the anxiety and depression and PTSD and so many are not being helped. And this is such a, a not even I don't want to use the word promising because they've been doing it for thousands of years, but I guess now what we're seeing oh, but it, in Western uh, civilization, yeah. yes, to, to help those sorts of things. Yeah, relevant, you know, currently yes, relevant. relevant, you know? currently relevant. Cur currently relevant. And so that was, a, you know, Manati, the Ecuadorian shaman who was with Costa Rica with us, just he had a lot of very interesting things to say. And it was just, his big comment was that, is that, you know, the, 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 the spiritual realm exists you know in other words at the very least our subjective existence what we feel the mystical mysterious parts of what it is to be alive it's there yes. you know whether we admit it or talk about it or not and then there's the material and they're related and they're in continuum with each other but if you just focus on one and not the other you're going to miss out on a lot and so we see this thing where we just focus on the material side so intensely and uh you know for a long time in the healthcare system and then we see what gets overlooked in that Right. And you see this epidemic of these certain maladies that you describe that, you know, anxiety and depression are actually getting worse. They're actually mm -hmm. more common despite all the research, all the money poured into that, all the new drugs that have come up around that, you know, addiction treatment is very frustrating. It's just like a money pit. You know, they're just pouring money in there and coming up with their theories and everybody has so much to say about it. And then you have PTSD, you know, you got people yeah. from Vietnam, veterans for decades. And then you got these kids showing up to, uh, like I bring it up in my book or say it at other places. My friend Russ, who was the Vietnam vet case person that right. uh, we I presented the book. This. Yeah, he talks yes. about how he goes to the group therapy and the young guys coming back from Iraq are looking across the room at him and saying, am I going to be here for the rest of my life? Oh. You know? Right you said how one can initiate forgiveness in the brain, but however, it doesn't really heal until you forgive, forgive in your heart. You can forgive yourself yeah. with the intention in your brain, but it really doesn't happen until it's in your heart. And that's right. what something like ayahuasca helps you do. Right. So that's yeah. an, the energetic experience, the felt experience, you know, and so we all have experiences like that in our lives. Right. where we know what it was that made the difference, you know, yeah. and how we feel about something, either something traumatic that happened to us or something inspirational that happened to us and how much we feel in those times and how significant our feelings are in helping us understand like what is significant to us in our lives. Yes. I think this is a great time to wrap this conversation up and we will be continuing it next week. So Joe, thank you so much for this enlightening conversation. And I really look forward to, to continuing. So have a great day and we will talk very soon. If any of you would like to learn more about Joe, you can find him on his website at drjoetafur.com and also on the website modernspirit.org. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at Interviews with Innocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. 
I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you.